So I'm talking today to Dave Bigden, the director of the Thames Chase Community Forest. Dave, just tell us a bit about some of your favourite trees. Um, yeah, two of the trees I particularly like are hornbeam and oak. Yeah, certainly ones I've uh, you know related to in the landscape for many many years, and uh, yeah, always recognise as two of my favourites. Really. Yeah. Now we're in South Essex, you know, on the borders with East London. Are, are those trees particularly relevant to this kind of landscape? Yes, yeah, they would be. Yeah, yeah, it's a good mix of hornbeam and oak in the majority of woodland you see in and around this area and along the woodland ridges. Um, yeah, and I particularly like the you know the hornbeam trees because of the the bark and the the actual structure of the leaf as well. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, quite quite notable. Beautiful, and oaks are very important, aren't they, for biodiversity? They support thousands of species. Don't Absolutely, they? yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. They do, yeah. Very important. Now you've been involved in forestry all your career, so you're an expert at planting trees. How many trees do you guesstimate that you've had a hand in planting? Um, certainly in excess of 250,000, I would say. Yeah, yeah, just um, with various projects down the years or things you've, you've uh, yeah, started and, and got the projects moving along. So, yeah, that, that, that's just a rough estimate, yeah. That's a lot, isn't it? I mean, it is, yeah, yeah. Which, uh, <laughs> it's a crazy amount of trees. Can you yeah. give us a... Does that compare to, like, a Hatfield forest or does that compare to, like, a, a Sherwood forest? Or uh, I would like to think so, but maybe if they were all planted in the same place, perhaps. But, mm. um, yeah, the beauty of that approach is that they've actually been planted at various locations in and around communities that have, yeah, made a real difference, I think, to those landscapes, which is, which is nice. Yeah, so lots of different planting schemes across different, different landscapes, yeah. And just turning to a bit of kind of practical advice about putting trees in the ground, yeah. when's the best time of year to plant trees? Uh, November through to March, you know, weather, weather dependent really. Um, and that'll go the same for lifting the trees as well from nurseries as well. So I know this year, for example, it's been a bit milder, hasn't it? A bit later. So uh, it's been a bit difficult to get the trees lifted to take out to start the planting scheme. So a little bit behind on that respect. But yeah, so November through to March. That's excellent advice. Yeah. And talking about trees, um, we hear a bit about like fruit trees often age a lot faster than traditional native sort of trees and can be beneficial for wildlife as well. So d d tell us a bit about that. You know, planting an orchard might actually be quite a good, good, good thing to do, might not it? Yeah, yeah, certainly. I'd say the orchards are, are beneficial. We've got a community orchard here at Thames Chase uh, that's been in, in existence certainly for 15, 20 years. Um, and Thames Chase has been involved also in creating a community orchard over at Sealy Woods, which is one of the Forestry England sites in the community forest. Um, and likewise, we work closely with organisations such as the Orchard Project, part of the London Urban Forest Partnership, and links to the London Green Infrastructure Partnership Group. So they would also have a drive for creating orchards and expanding that type of resource across the area. Um, and then obviously, in addition to the habitats and the nesting and the food benefits, they are also good for pollinators. So we would certainly encourage yeah, more orchards in the landscape. Right tree, right place, right reason, but yeah, certainly more orchards. Yeah. And of course people can pick the fruit, can't they? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, that will be a big driver behind a community orchard so that communities do have access to that food resource. Yeah. So tell us a bit about your career then, Dave, and your journey to being the community forest director at Thames Chase. Um, yeah, I began, well, I grew up in the area anyway, so resided in the area for, for many years and then uh, began my life as a volunteer uh, before heading off to Rittle Agricultural College to study for three years uh, and then coming back and you know doing these student placements, uh, volunteering some more before securing my first paid role up in Brentwood with the Countryside Management Service um, and then moved on from there, came down to Thames Chase as the BTCB Community Projects Officer 
And then from that role, went off and worked, I think it was over in Redbridge for a while, did some more environmental type roles, um, before eventually moving back up to Brentwood as their countryside manager. So I did that for a few years, before then going off to start my own consultancy in around about 2005. Um, and that consultancy has been running all of that time, and still, still going well um, in the background. And then through that role as well, I re-engaged with Thames Chase sort of five or six years ago through the consultancy role, helping them yeah, to rebuild you know, their projects portfolio and the programme side of things and strengthen some of the work that the Board of Trustees wanted to see delivered. Um, and then part of that engaged me with the National England's Community Forest Network. And through that network, we've secured vital funding through the Trees for Climate programme. And that Trees for Climate funding through DEFRA um, has enabled you know, the recruitment of a uh, staff resource here at Thames Chase. And one of the roles that was able to support was the director role, thankfully. Um, so I then moved over from the consultancy role into the full-time paid director role with the trust, which was very welcome, yeah. So just describe to us Thames Chase. We're at the Forest Centre, which is in Upminster, Essex, uh, but it, it stretches across 40 square miles, doesn't it, at the moment? Yeah, that's right, yeah. So 40 square miles, and uh, at, at this stage, uh, the five local authority partners, so we've got the London Borough of Havering, uh, Brentwood Borough Council, London Borough of Barking and Dagenham, Essex County Council and also Thurrock as well. So we've got you know, a good uh, core of local authority partners in there as well. But um, you know the community forest is in this location as well because of its direct connection with the communities in and around this area. And uh, you know, Tempshire started in 1990 and was uh, you know brought to this landscape for very very good reason because um, you know there was sort of despoiled landscapes and need for reconnection for communities, restoration of. Um, like some of the old mineral workings and landfill sites as well. So, yeah, Thames Chase has done a lot in those years as well to to improve the landscape, yeah. And we should say it's it's 40 square miles spread across the area in different yeah. locations and sites. It's a multi-site community forest. What What's the definition of a community forest in England? Um, yeah, as you say, with England, we are one of 13 community forests nationally. So, yeah, they, they would have been brought around. There was originally three pilot community forests in 1990, and Thames Chase was one of those. And as I say, brought in where, they, where the need is greatest. So right next to towns and cities where people um, you know, live and they interact with those landscapes. Um, and then where there's a need for landscape regeneration, um, landscape improvement. And we tend to do that through the medium of trees. So we'd be brought in, you know, the community forests make a difference to people in that local area. Um, you know, so <clears throat> where we've had, as I said, mineral workings or some of the landfill sites in the past, we work with partners such as Forestry England, who are our principal woodland creation partner, um, for you know, kind of bring, turning those sites around. So you know, growing up in the area, there just wasn't the connection of green spaces or open spaces across the landscape. Whereas if you look at what Thames Chase has achieved over that past 30 years, you've now got a far more connected landscape and more connected green spaces and open spaces across the area, not only for people but wildlife as well. So, yeah. Because this site was uh, the centre of an arable farm, wasn't mm. it? And quite denuded of trees. Yeah, that's, that's it very much. So, yeah, yeah, when we first came here, it literally was just that open arable landscape um, dissected by the M25. Um, yeah, so, yeah, it was literally just open arable land, yeah. Um, and all of the trees have been planted through a mixture of yeah, working with the Forestry England, uh, local communities as well, and yes, all the planting on site you see has been created by that partnership. Yeah. And here at the Forest Centre, how many sort of, we've, we've got a, a set of woodlands, haven't we now, established? 
Yes, yeah, there are, yeah, yeah, very much so. And, you know, it's an excellent example with, you know, people come to the Temptures Forest Centre, you can see through some of the viewpoints that have been created and the information that's provided in the Temptures Forest Centre, looking up to the Brentwood Hills, where you can see the established mature woodlands. Um, and that really is a good indication of what we're trying to create down here, you know, further south in the community forest as well. And, you know, that's become more and more evident on a site such as, you know, the Temptures Forest Centre, you can now see woodlands that are emerging and that a lot of the fences that would have originally been around the new planters have been taken away and you know, walkers are then welcome and becoming more of open access for people as well. So, yeah, it's establishing well on site, yeah. Some, some of the other things we used to have on site here as well were demonstration woodlands. So back in the early days, they were there to actually show the techniques at the time that could be employed for you know creating different types of woodland. So there were different techniques, whether it was mulch mats or you know, certain species or certain ways of planting certain tree tubes or rabbit guards or different ways of protecting trees. You know, we, we actually sampled and tried different ways of planting on the forest centre as well. So it was quite innovative, really, at its time. And you mentioned mulch mats there. You, you've not long in the last two years planted in Dagnam at Parslow Park a very special type of forest that's fast growing. Tell us about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, the Miyawaki method was the method employed there in uh, Parslow's Park in, in Dagnam. And, um, yeah, that, that is really all about trying, in some respects, to replicate natural regeneration. So you plant the new trees very, very densely in a smaller space and um, with them all competing for light and with, as you say, that healthy soil and the healthy mulching on there, good nutrients in the soil. Um, yeah, that forest then tends to get away and, and grow a lot quicker than traditional or standard planting. So, um, you know, the Miyawaki method is not for every single site and it's the right tree, right place, right reason, as I've mentioned. Um, but it was certainly appropriate for Parslow's Park and uh, it's made a yeah, real difference to that particular site. So, and it, it means that that woodland is going to sequester a large amount of carbon, doesn't it? I think somewhere in the region of 15,000 tonnes. Mm. Yeah, 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 that's right, yeah. Um, because, yeah, those new trees will certainly, yes, yeah, across that very, very quickly, yeah, yeah. And that's sort of some of the future, isn't it? Working with local authorities and businesses to help plant trees, to offset some of that carbon emissions. That's something that the community forest is very interested in, isn't it? Yeah, we are very much, very much interested in that. Certainly, yeah, carbon is, is you know, where we're looking to build more relationships, more partnerships, and to bring that benefit, you know, into the community forest as well. So things like the Woodland Carbon Code, you know, um, and, and the value that could be provided through, through that, yeah. And volunteers play a huge part in Thames Chase and the community forest. So tell us a bit about the involvement of volunteers. Yeah, volunteers are key and they, they always have been, you know. Um, there's no coincidence that we've got the word community in our title. So people often have that misconception that it's just about forest and trees, but it, it's not. And so that community element has always been there because even in woodland design and tree planting projects, you're always going to involve you know, the community in that and therefore volunteers as well. So volunteers have been vital to the management and continued success of the Thames Chase Forest Centre, for example. We've had volunteers involved that run education activities or events and engagement um, projects here at the Thames Chase Forest Centre as well. And then we've got groups such as the Thames Chase Conservation Volunteers that you know go out every single week working on different conservation projects across the landscape with many of our partners and, and improving and managing and sustaining that landscape as well. So the community is at the heart of everything we do, yeah. So just explain a bit about that 
they're planting native trees, aren't they? Native species to England, and you grow a lot of them in the tree nursery as well, don't you? Yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah. So that again, it, it's called the community tree nursery here at the Thames Chase Forest Centre, and that was started in the late nineteen nineties. And the idea of the community tree nursery there was that you uh, worked with local people, volunteers. Um, and you collected the seed from the local area, and that is then grown on by the community in that tree nursery resource. Um, and you then use those trees once they're grown and established to plant back out in sites across the community forest. So a lot of the trees grown on from the tree nursery here have gone back into local schools and been used for education purposes and engaged the next generation of community foresters <laughs> in, in that landscape and to, to be actively involved. So it's an amazing resource, yeah. And why do you think it's so important to get forestry this close to London, to, to the urban centres, you know, of Essex and that? Why, why is that important to get trees and also biodiversity in there? Yeah, I think it, it's certainly that awareness raising and the education side of things, but um, obviously because of the urban locations of many of these sites, you know, they are kind of devoid of a lot of the habitats and the wildlife and, you know, the tree planting that goes on and the impact of a community forest in those urban landscapes means that you do then get those improved green spaces, that connectivity, the connectivity not only for people but also in terms of that habitat connectivity across those spaces as well for wildlife and, and nature and biodiversity. Um, and that then has that knock-on impact in terms of ecosystem services, you know, the natural capital of the green spaces in the urban areas uh, and makes that connection between you know, what you might class as the grey, then to the green and the blue as you move out. You know, the community forest landscape actually connects those communities and the green spaces in those urban fringe areas out to the rural parts, you know, of Essex and, and beyond, really. So, yeah. And it, and it just becomes so much more accessible, doesn't it, for the public as well? Yes, yeah, it does, yeah, very much so. You know, within our Thames Chase plan, which is the approved forest plan for the community forest, you know, we've actively got east to west links in there as a strategic opportunity. So it is constantly making those links for people out across that landscape. Yeah. And gardeners can play a role in this as well, can't they, with their own gardens, if they feel like planting trees and that. But as you say, it's right tree, right place, right time. Yeah. So you'd encourage gardeners to think in terms of native British species. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I would point them in a the direction, depending on their location, but, you know, documents such as the London Urban Forest Plan, because when we talk about an urban forest, that also includes a lot of the greenery and the planting that takes place in private gardens. You know, the private gardens and the trees within those spaces are also part of that urban forest, you know, a key component. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Well, Dave, thanks very much for your time. It's been fascinating to talk to you. And if people want to come and visit, they can come and visit the Forest Centre, can't they, regularly in Upminster? They can, yeah, very very much so. Yeah, so that's open seven days a week. And uh, so there's, there's wonderful resources here. There's rooms to hire, should you be a social group or a local group or a community group. Um, we have the events, education, um, we've got a nice shop there in the visitor centre there and there's also refreshments uh, available within the visitor centre So and plenty more information about how the community forest works, our history and the wealth of partners that we work with across the landscape. So um, yeah, I'd recommend a visit. <laughs>